I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Degenerative diseases such as ALS, Alzheimer's disease, and frontal temporal dementia have been difficult diseases for drug developers to target. Coyotherapeutics is approaching these conditions as diseases of immune system dysfunction to address the neuroinflammation that underlies them. We spoke to Adrian Hepner, President and Chief Medical Officer of Coya, about the role a hyperimmune response plays in the progress of neurodegenerative diseases, how the company's experimental regulatory T-cell therapy works to halt that, and its pipeline in development. Adrian, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Daniel, for having me here. It's a pleasure joining you today. We're going to talk about Koya Therapeutics, neurodegenerative diseases, and your cell therapies in development to address an underlying inflammatory response that drives these conditions. Let's start with neurodegenerative diseases. How unique is Koya's view of these conditions, and what's the case for approaching diseases like ALS, frontal temporal dementia, and Alzheimer's disease as diseases of immune system dysregulation? Well, that is a great question. So let me tell you, we are working with the technology we have licensed from Dr. Appel's lab at Houston Methodist. Dr. Appel and his team have been working in ALS and other conditions, but also in the field of neuroinflammation for decades. Now we know that neuroinflammation drives the progression and the severity of many of these conditions, including ALS, as you mentioned, frontotemporal dementia, and also Alzheimer's disease. And as you said in your question, many autoimmune disorders, all of them of high admit need. We at COYA are working basically leveraging the potent anti-inflammatory power of regulatory T cells. Basically, we started with a cell therapy product for ALS, keeping in mind that also Dr. Appel is the founding father of modern ALS. He has been working in that field successfully for many, many years now. So licensing that technology is what led to the creation of the company. And now we are working in multiple platforms. Cell therapy is one of them. Exosomes is another one. And we are also developing a specific, a very special proprietary biologic combination to address this dysfunction in these conditions. Basically, the regulatory T cells are dysfunctional in all these disorders. Basically, what we do is to improve that dysfunction to make these cells, to make these regulatory T cells functional again. And by restoring that homeostasis, that normal balance, we fight these conditions. Well, 
let's talk about ALS for listeners not familiar with the condition. How does it manifest itself and progress? ALS, unfortunately, is a devastating condition. It's not very frequent, but there are about 25,000 patients in the United States. Usually affects people between 40 and 75 years of age at the onset of the disease. It's rapidly progressive, and it's characterized by impacting the neurons, the nerve cells, in the spinal cord and in the brain, the motor neurons. And these particular cells basically govern the ability of the muscles to execute what they do, to move. The disease progresses in some patients very rapidly. And the characteristic is this debilitating situation where the patient loses the ability to use his or her muscles. Basically, the limbs, legs, and arms, then the ability to swallow is highly disrupted. That's why many of these patients require to be fed through a tube in the stomach, ultimately impacting their ability to breathe. The devastating situation is that most patients die within three to five years after diagnosis. Well, what treatment options exist today? The treatment options are limited. There are two approved products for the treatment of ALS now, and they offer limited help to some of the patients with the condition by extending their lives by a few months. Of course, there are many supportive treatments that medical centers provide to these patients regarding respiratory support, nutrition, etc. But the treatments are very limited, unfortunately, to the point that the federal government, the president, signed into law in December 2021, which is called the Act for ALS, is a law to dedicated to accelerate treatments, to find treatments for this condition hopefully resulting in a very good partnership between the federal government, academia, and the industry, as we are, hopefully finding a cure for this condition pretty soon. Well, what role does the inflammatory process play in ALS, and how linked is that process to decline in patients? But neuroinflammation plays a significant role in the progression, the rate of progression, and the severity of the disease. To the point that we have been able, for the first time, and this has been published a few days ago, for the first time to identify biomarkers of inflammation and oxidative stress in these particular patients. And we know that the higher the level of these biomarkers, well characterized to identify neuroinflammation and oxidative stress, are correlated with the clinical status of the patient and with the progression of the disease. Not all patients are progressing at the same rate. That's why neuroinflammation is so important to be characterized. And of course, that's where we focus our treatments. 
basically to ameliorate the neuroinflammation that is the driver of the disease. And we have done that with our cell therapy and we are doing that also with our exosomes. You talked a bit about regulatory T cells, but Help us understand what those are and what role they play in conditions like ALS and other neurodegenerative diseases. Yes, T cells are a type of leukocytes, white cells in our in our blood. And there are several families of T cells. One of them is regulatory T cells. The main role of regulatory T cells is to fight inflammation to provide the immunomodulatory effect for the body to get rid of the inflammation. In other words, when the regulatory T cells are very low in the numbers or dysfunctional, so they don't do their job, inflammation grows. And this growing inflammation drives the severity and the rate of progression of some of these disorders. And as you mentioned, ALS, frontotemporal dementia, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease. In all these conditions, the role of neuroinflammation is key in the severity and the progression of these disorders. What's COYA 101 and how is it prepared and delivered? COYA 101 is a cell therapy product is a regulatory T cell therapy. Basically, what we do is we take a blood sample from the patients, we separate this dysfunctional T-Rex, the T-Rex that do not work, that do not do not function to fight inflammation, and ex vivo using our proprietary manufacturing process in bioreactors, we basically convert these dysfunctional T-cells into highly functional T-cells that we call super T-rex, and we also expand them from millions into billions. And then we infuse back these cells into the patients. And that's basically, basically the treatment that we have seen in two studies now, a phase one and a phase two A studies. ALS patients that is able to ameliorate and in some cases to stop the progression of the disease over the course of the infusions. What's known about the safety and efficacy of COYA 101 from studies that have been done so far? So far, the safety and tolerability of COYA 101 has been very, very good. Actually, none of the patients in any of the studies discontinued due to any adverse event, and we have not seen any signals, any safety signals of concern to date, and there is no reason that we're going to see this in the future, hopefully, in our next studies. And also, from the patient's standpoint, the process is very simple. These cells are infused back in a short amount of time using just a peripheral vein like any other intravenous injection. So it takes about 10-15 minutes for a patient to receive the treatment. And how durable is the effect? Is this a, a one-and-done therapy or would it require repeated dosing? No, this is not a one-and-done therapy like you may see with CAR-Ts. 
this because of the progressive and sustained inflammation that is observing these patients. This needs to be administered on a regular, continuously on a regular basis. In our second study, the phase 2A study, we administer the product on a monthly basis because cells, converted cells, the super T-Rex, because of, of the strong inflammatory environment of this disease, may become fragile and may be converted back into pro-inflammatory cells. So, in other words, patients require to receive this treatment over the course of the duration of the disease, we believe. And what's the development path forward? Well, so far, as I said, we had two, two studies, a small phase one, followed by a phase 2A. <clears throat> the two studies provided good results in terms of the safety and tolerability, as you asked me a few minutes ago, also the efficacy, in the majority of the patients, plus we have been able to identify this biomarker. With all that package of information, we had a meeting with the FDA. We received very constructive feedback from them. We know what the FDA wants to see in our next study, which is going to be a phase 2B, that we believe it could be registration. So we are working really fast and furious at COYA, setting that study up, working to file all the documents with the FDA and also transferring the manufacturing of COYA 101 from our GMP academic facility to a commercial scale GMP facility in the state of California. So uh, we are planning to start this study in 2023. You're also developing exosomes as potential allogenic therapies. What are exosomes and, and how do they work? Exosomes are particularly potent vesicles. An exosome is a byproduct of a cell. All cells in the body produce exosomes. Basically, through a process called exocytosis, the cells deliver these exosomes. And they contain different molecules like RNA, lipids, proteins, and the cells use these to communicate between each other. Over the course of the process of manufacturing T-Rex, the regulatory T-cells, COYA 101, we discover the way to also harvest not just billions, but trillions of these highly potent exosomes that have very high anti-inflammatory effect. And one of the advantages over the cells is that because exosomes are not cells, they cannot be converted back into this function. And the other advantage is, among others, their size. They're very, very tiny. Their size is in the range of nanometers, between 30 and 100 nanometers. So they have the ability to cross biological barriers, including the blood-brain barrier, and really reach the target organs that we would like to treat in this case of ALS, of course, is the CNS system, but also in other disorders like autoimmune disorders, able to treat the target organs that can be impacted, for example, in lupus, like the kidneys, or in scleroderma, that could be the skin or the lungs. So it's 
It's a fascinating field, early in stages for many, including for the regulators. So, but we are also characterizing the content, the load of these exosomes by having our own signature of the microRNAs that are responsible for their effects, for their therapeutic effects. This has potentially broad application across autoimmune disease. What do we know about their ability to address dysregulation of the immune system? That's a great question. What we know, and we've done animal studies, is that exosomes are also highly immunomodulatory, even more than the T-Rex. Basically, by doing that, they restore the homeostasis, the balance between what we call the M1, or the pro-inflammatory state of the immune system, and M2, what we call the anti-inflammatory state. And we have seen that these exosomes acting on pro-inflammatory cells, including myel cells and other T cells, macrophages, etc., they decrease the inflammation and they restore the balance. Your pipeline extends beyond neurodegenerative diseases to include autoimmune conditions. How broad a set of indications do you think you might be able to address with the approach you're taking? Now, we are working basically in three conditions in the autoimmune and metabolic space, all of them of high unmet need. One of them is lupus. Lupus is a disease that impacts mostly women in the best age of their lives and mid-age has a lot of impact on their quality of life, especially leading in many cases to a disorder called lupus nephritis that basically destroys the function of the kidneys in a progressive way. So we are working on that area. Also in a disorder called scleroderma or systemic sclerosis, which is a rare disease that has a gigantic, devastating impact on the skin, but also the lungs of these patients. And there are no very effective treatments for this. And also in liver inflammation and fibrosis. As you know, liver disorders are becoming a silent epidemic in the United States, in the whole Western Hemisphere, I'm afraid, especially with the increase in obesity, hypertension, diabetes. And many, many patients that have some mild to moderate liver disorders continue evolving to a condition called NASH, for example, that may end up in severe liver fibrosis, many cases requiring transplant, or also leading to cancer of the liver, which is also very hard to treat. So now we are focusing these three areas in the autoimmune space, but we believe that we can expand into other areas in the future. We've seen advances with cellular immunotherapies and cancers. Why has such therapies been slow to develop as treatments for other conditions? And uh, are there cost or manufacturing issues that will need to be addressed to really realize the full potential of these therapies? Well, you're making a very good point. I believe that the same way that we have 
treatments evolving in the right direction for oncology now are having their time in neurological disorders, but also in autoimmune conditions, as we discussed a few minutes ago. I think we have learned a lot from what our colleagues in the oncology space have done. We are also continue understanding the pathophysiology of many of these conditions, like, for example, the identification of biomarkers, something that was done in oncology well before was obtained in the neurospace. And the same applies to autoimmune disorders. Regarding cost of manufacturing, well, we have been able to optimize our processes a lot, lowering the cost. Uh, and we believe that we can continue doing so over time, especially now that they are move, we are moving our manufacturing into one of the best, if not the best, CDMO in the space in the state of California. So I think that working together, we can continue optimizing the process, increasing the, the output of our manufacturing, and hopefully continue lowering the cost. Adrian Hepner, President and Chief Medical Officer of Koya Therapeutics. Adrian, thanks so much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. I wish you a great weekend and looking forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.